welcome to the podcast. It is a special episode, and I've invited three friends along with me, and they're actually all attendees of the Fellowship and Restorative Ministry. So, Brett, Stephanie, Fauja, welcome. Thank Hi. you. Cool. Good morning. Yeah, good, good morning. morning. Thanks for having us. You're you're welcome. I'm I'm excited to have you here. So so what's been going on? What have you been up to this uh, this fine weekend? Well, currently I'm on vacation, so I'm in the <laughs> beach at the Gulf of Mexico. Uh-huh. Uh, so went out for a nice run this morning, uh, enjoying time with the family, just uh, yeah. taking a little time off after 18 months of getting back at it. Isn't that funny to actually be be the point that you're ready for a break? How about you, yeah. Stephanie? What have you been up to today? Uh, this morning, I went to see some dead bodies with my kids, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we watched the uh, Body Worlds. I think you call it in English from uh, Richard Hagen, who plastifies oh, dead bodies. Oh yeah, I've, I've actually seen that in yeah. Chicago. That's an that's an amazing exhibit. Yeah, and speaking I've of Chicago, Faja, how about you? Good morning. Yeah. Good well, good morning. Good evening. Yeah, it's about it's about almost noon here. No, I've uh, gone to work out this morning and uh, just relaxing this week. I think I, I just, you know, did a lot of dentistry last weekend and or last week and I'm just relaxing this weekend, enjoying the weather, probably heading down to the beach as well a little bit, um, do a little swimming. Good. Well, relaxing is something all three of you are actually deserving of. I know we just finished up module one in the inaugural fellowship and restorative dentistry. What a year. I know it hasn't been a full year. When did we start it? I guess back in February. So we're about five or six months in. So tell us about tell us about this crazy year that you've been experiencing. And I and when by that I mean with the fellowship. Me, the fellowship, you know, I, I sort of I've been very fast-paced for all of this. I found out about Ripe Global in November and then was intrigued by the the fellowship details that I read about. Um and joined pretty much by Christmas time and, you know, jumped into everything. And it's just been, um, it's, it's been wonderful on so many different levels. I think I've met so many different people, even though we've never met face to face. Um, you know, we have this amazing community that we're able to really gel with and, and talk about things and support each other. Um, but more than that, I think technically and my skills, the way I see things um, has just, I mean, just taken off. Um, you know, not that I, not that I, I still want to improve, but, um, but the fellowship has just been wonderful and, and I, it actually hasn't been as crazy as I thought it was going to be. Um, there's been a couple <laughs> times of, couple times of stress, um, especially this past weekend when I was just finishing my last assessment. Um, mm-hmm. but for the most part, I mean, I feel like I've had plenty of support and my team, I think is really impressed with the fact that I'm jumping on to something and trying to improve my skills and they're all you know, they're all jumping in with me as well and trying to support me in every way. And they're, they're so intrigued by the whole experience. Oh, Brett, how about you? Tell, tell us about your experience this last five or six months. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it's went by so fast, but it, it doesn't feel like it's been as much as it was. Like I, like Fajia, I knew about rap global a little longer i've been following the facebook page for a long time but really not the educational side of it most of my experience was ripe was looking at facebook posts of people that were amazing and marveling at their work uh but then when we were shut down with the pandemic not able to do the ce and traveling that i would normally do i started looking and finding options to better myself and kind of latched onto this 
after I did that, I communicated with a few people. You're one of them because you were part of it. And mm-hmm. they really felt like that this was something that spoke to me. You know, it was something that posterior composites, things that I did, but I didn't know that I did well, all the way to the, the veneer program and the, the full mouth rehab program. It's like, this is two years that I could commit to and really become excellent at it. You know, uh-huh. if you break it down in just what we've done in the posterior section with the direct resins and the indirects, I'm a different dentist than I was in February. Like, it's amazing to me. It And like Faw just said, it doesn't feel like we did a lot. Like we had some lectures, we had some interactions, <laughs> we had a couple of hands-ons, but it doesn't feel like I put in the amount of work it would have taken to make the jump that I've made in the last five or six months. You know, some of that may just be because we're comfortable with each other because we have this community that we're talking about it and we're supporting each other and getting feedback from each other. But I don't, if I was to do that at a hands-on course, I would have had to be doing it every six weeks, going somewhere for the weekend, like bare knuckling it, bearing down just to make the, the leaps that I've made comfortably in this module. Well, I think you I think you've worked a lot harder than you think and then you say I, in fact I can go back to some chats and some texts where uh, all of you are a little <laughs> overwhelmed so yeah yeah your comfort whatever. <laughs> Stephanie what what inspired you to sign up for for the fellowship? I was at a point where I thought that good was good enough. <laughs> and now exactly what Brad said, I am doing things I wouldn't even have dared to think about doing one year ago. So I am really, I think, in the process of trying to be as good as I can. And I know that it's not going to be happening <laughs> because you can never be as good as you can. So, but this is, I think, And I really wanted to become better. And I think all the work that we've been doing, and I think me personally, it was a lot of work that we had to do. And, but it was all, it, it still, it went easy because it felt natural. All the lectures, they, they were really easy to follow. And there were all the, the practical courses, the hands-on courses and the assessments. It just went hand in hand with the, with, the, with the lectures. And I personally, I know I freaked out a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but I always had this huge support in the community with the, with the fellow students and with the educators. And this felt so good because I was supported. And I know that I am becoming better. And That's great. just as you said, Fazia, my team and my practice and my office, they are so impressed with what, what we're doing. And everybody, they want to come and assist in the hands-on courses because they know they're going to learn as well. That was really fun to have my team on the hands-on course. And 
I just feel really good. So yes, I am improving and this is the best motivation. That's, that's fantastic. You know, before we get too far, you know, cart ahead of the horse, why don't we just go through the three of you and just introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, where you practice. And if you could, and um, let's just go through each of you, tell us about yourself before the fellowship. So if you could, we're, we're going to talk a lot about how the fellowship has affected you. I'd like to hear what your practice was like before the fellowship. So Fauci, if we could start with you. Sure. Yep. My name is Fauzia Khan, and I am located in the northern suburbs of Chicago. So in a town called Lake Bluff, um, I opened a practice from scratch um, about three years ago. So I was about a year into it when the pandemic hit and everything. Um, and I opened a practice because I wanted to, to have a continuum of patient care. I wanted to use everything that I had been learning. Um, probably before the fellowship, I was doing routine dentistry, which I felt like I was getting hung up on. Your typical class twos, your crown preps. Um, and I just felt like, I wish somebody could just take a look at what I'm doing. You know, I wish somebody could just give me some feedback about this. And I think, you know, so now obviously I've had a ton of feedback about everything. And if I want feedback, I know exactly where to go. Um, and so I think that that's been my, that's kind of where I was before. I was always questioning myself. Um, and in the middle of a procedure, that's not the best time to really be questioning yourself because it, it affects so many other parts of that patient care during that appointment. Um, and now I just feel like I'm going in and I'm, I've got like an arrow and I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. And I know, I, I feel a lot more confidence in what I'm doing. Um, and so that's where I was before I practiced. Very cool. Stephanie, how about you? Tell us, introduce yourself, tell us where you're from, and also tell us about yourself before the fellowship. Well, as I said, we'll get into <clears throat> how the fellowship has affected you. We kind of want to hear a little bit of the backstory. So I'm Stephanie Hitt. I'm from Switzerland, and I have a dental office about 20 kilometers outside of um, our capital, outside of Bern. And I treat a lot of farmers, not only, but also. <laughs> and I used to do like a whole lot of composites. That was kind of the thing I'm really confident, posterior composites, but I never did any crowns, for example. So I kind of got stuck because I did so many really difficult composites. And I knew I was doing the best I could at that point, but I wish, I wished, I always wished that I was be, uh, I could be more confident in like indirect works. And so I did all these huge buildups for years. I took over in 2013 and I kept replacing old fillings from my predecessor. And the work I was doing until now, I know it's not going to last as long as I would like to. And I didn't really think that my patients would want to have something better than my composites. So I didn't even think about suggestion um, like crowns or something. So I, I got stuck and I think that was also the point that made me look for something else and to improve because I, I was like driving against the wall all the time. <laughs> and I did, yeah, I, I really didn't know how to get out. And I think that was the fellowship. 
I think I think all of us have experienced that those barriers sometimes they're imposed by our by our environment, but also lots of times they're imposed just by us. And and funny how things can change in uh, in just five months. Mm-hmm. Brett, how about you? So introduce yourself. Tell us what uh, tell us about yourself before the fellowship. Well, <clears throat> well, I'm Brett Burris. I am a general dentist uh, in Jonesboro, Arkansas, which I dare anyone to find on a map. Uh, a, well, it's a small town, not close to anything, maybe an hour away from Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I'm a partner owner in a general dentist practice with a, my cousin, first cousin. We have truly a family practice. And before the fellowship, I, I had a successful practice. I mean, I felt like over the course of, I mean, really 15 years, I had built a good practice. It was growing. I mean, we had large numbers of new patients. We had increases in revenue. You know, I was doing what I thought was good work. Um, but I'm kind of the type of person that you're not ready until you're ready. And I hit a point about two or three years ago where I felt like I was looking at what I was doing and I could do better. Um, you know, if you'd have asked me five or six years ago what the quality of my work was, I would have said, I'm doing a good job. Um, and maybe compared to some of the other work I saw around me or patients coming in, I was doing a good job, but compared to the people that I saw doing amazing things, I was just barely there. So two or three years ago, I started focusing more on what I can do. Um, done some occlusion courses, took some surgical courses to be better. And over time, a little bit and a little bit, I got a little better, but I never made great leaps to be better. Uh, I mean, even before the fellowship started, if you'd asked me, what kind of work are you doing? I would have said, I'm doing pretty good work. Um, But I knew that I wasn't doing great work yet. So that's what got me going in this is that I really wanted to be able to take the next level that I knew was there, but really never gave myself the, the permission to believe I could do yet. You know, that's the thing that's really uh, impressed me, shocked me made me smile is one all of you are are committed and gifted clinicians every single one of us can be better no matter what level we came into the fellowship either as educators or attendees and there's a quote that rings in my head that i that i heard a number of years ago that says cadillac never apologizes for last year's model is you know our patients expect us to be a better dentist today than we were yesterday and we are gonna be better dentists tomorrow. That, that is what progression, that is lear- what learning is about. And that's really what you guys exemplify. You look at the attendees in the fellowship, you have people that are right out of school and you have some attendees that are 20 plus years out of school. And, and it's amazing how, how you guys all support each other. All right. I, think, I think it's been great because I can't imagine being where I'm at and seeing some of these people in the fellowship that are one and two years out of school and they're seeing all this come out at the same time because my comfort level with the fellowship has been that I've seen these mistakes in my own hands. But at the same time, like I'm jealous that they're getting to see this at two years out. <laughs> I don't know well, what they water these days with these kids, but I'm, I'm, I'm jealous right there with you. I mean, I, it's just amazing to me. And if you just showed me that two years out, I wasn't capable. Like I wasn't mentally there 
you know, I, I hadn't reached the point in my life that I probably would have taken what I needed to out of it. But if you put my head two years out of school, I would have been like, this is awesome. So I'm oh, completely jealous Brett. of seeing that. Imagine yeah. if you do this before you fall from the Dunning-Kruger graph. Right. Right. The, you get on out the of way, valley I'll of despair. how good we are before we fall down and realize that we don't know anything. And then before that, do the fellowship. Imagine what could happen. The fall would be even greater. Yep. And I think <laughs> it's amazing because I think, I, I think that with the mixture of the people, when I hear everybody speak on our community, it's hard to even tell who's at what level, you know, because everyone's questions are so well supported by everybody else. Um, and they're very intentional, great questions to be asking. I, I agree with you, Brett. I'm a little jealous too. I wish I had a community like this when I got out of dental school, it would have been wonderful. Um, I feel like I sort of meandered around myself trying to figure out everything I could. Um, and I'm just soaking it up now. I love it. Well, that, you've all brought this word up, community, again and again and again. Tell us about the community. Tell us about tell us some stories so um, michael i feel like i feel like i've met these people in i mean i feel like i've met them you know the amount of times that we're able to chit chat back and forth on our on our platform i mean i feel like i know everybody but i have to keep reminding myself that i've never met them before you know <laughs> um and it's it's kind of funny i mean i i just it, it's just been such a supportive community um we're able to um, you know, I, I think we're able to support each other, especially in some of the times that we've had with even our, our teams and hiring. Um, and I know we've got a business section that we're now discussing. Um, but I, I, I just, I, I just feel like everyone's just so honest. I think that's the, the most important thing. I think people are willing to show off things that they've done well and, and talk about things that have not gone so well. And everyone's able to chime in in a really, in a really like supportive way. So this has to be the greatest surprise of the fellowship yeah. is this was not something that was promoted as part of the program and not something that I ever expected coming into it. I expected to be yeah. interacting with my educators who were high level that were going to teach me the things I wanted. Even when I had to download the WebEx and on the first week I was sitting there at three o'clock in the morning, my phone was beeping on my nightstand <laughs> because people in different time zones were just blowing up my phone. I was like, what the heck have I gotten myself into? All these people and all these time zones are wearing me out. But like, I mean, forget just the didactic information we've got. The community is by far the number one part of the fellowship for me. Like, and it's, Fazia said supportive. And what I take from that is, is it's weird. You get on Facebook because I'm old enough that like it used to be Dentaltown for me and Dentaltown went to Facebook, people sharing and learning, but Facebook is just full of people that aren't always nice. And even if they are nice, they're not always honest. You know, they're not necessarily sharing what's real. They're sharing what makes them look good or they're quick to look at something of yours and make it look bad. But we are not getting that with our, these people and we've never met them and we didn't establish ground rules. We just came in and were common and decent to each other and took that honesty and like she said we have a business section we have a fitness section this has nothing to do with the fellowship we have a music section we just come came together to talk about these things and we've learned so much more about different things that we don't know about because of that community it's been great yeah people you know people are listening to this and saying wait what huh fitness books what huh and <laughs> 
that's all on you guys. You know, we spent so much time putting this fellowship together for you. We never in a million years, it was our blind side. We never anticipated the community that all of you built and took off. I mean, everything that you're talking about is almost outside the fellowship. Is is but, that that's been spectacular. But it it was something that you guys hoped for, I believe, right? Because when I told Lincoln, I don't know if I can do like an all online um, fellowship without traveling, without meeting someone in person, like be all alone. And he told me, you're not going to be alone. There's going to be like, you're going to be studying with other people and they're, you know, you can, we can have a chat with everyone. And, and so I believe you kind of hoped for this. Well, you know, the, even, <laughs> even, even if we hoped for this, it's so much more that we couldn't have even hoped for. That's what I'm saying. Our grandest dreams of creating a community it was so far exceeded by what you guys do on a daily basis. It is, you know, it's organic. It's momentum. It's, it's all on you guys. Yeah, yeah. We, we gave you the form. We gave you the area. But none of those side things were even on our radar. What do you have? You have books. You have fitness. You have... We have legit, you can't talk about teeth on this thread. Yeah. Yes. No <laughs> dental talk. <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as, as the community, share, share a cool story about one of your fellow attendees, perhaps somebody that isn't, that isn't on, the, on the podcast, someone that surprised you, someone that's inspired you, uh, someone that you've helped out. Well, I really had to um, smile when Sri came up with the, the, Instagram video he wanted to do and he and Jacqueline all went off about how to do a dance and what music and I'm kind of sad it died I don't know if it did die but uh, so uh, Jacqueline Sri if you hear this uh, please go on I, I, I remember Jacqueline I mean you can write anything down and she has an answer for you within 30 seconds no matter what time zone it is. Um, yesterday, I was actually just at the bookstore looking at all of her recommendations of books. You know, and we posted the book section and she she must have put out 30 books and she circled them and she's so great with pictures, you know, diagramming what we need to see and discuss and everything. So she's been, I, I'm looking forward to, she's one of the people I'm very much looking forward to meet. I get that comment a lot, you know, with everything I do, you know, how many hours are in your day? You must have more than 24 hours in, my, in your day. Jacqueline, completely reinvents that i the, i call her the singapore hurricane or the singapore sling she's malaysian <laughs> she studied in ireland she's just all over the place she she is an inspiration and boy she she's just overwhelming with her energy yeah you know, my for my big attendee group moment was very early in the process we were starting and we had our first assessment coming up that wasn't working on the dentiform it was actually working on real life patients and I think a lot of us didn't see that coming as quickly as it came that we were going to have to put together a patient that fit this profile that we had to do this we had to document it we weren't used to documenting it we had to turn it in on time and all of us were sitting there feeling this tension to ourselves and this out of nowhere here comes Chip and he lays out what everybody is thinking <laughs> and says hey guys what the heck are y'all talking about? There's no way we're doing this a week. Let's get this together and figure out what's going on. 
Like it just felt like everything that I was feeling or that other people were feeling, he just laid it out for us and said, all right, y'all figure this out because we're not going to be on the hook for this. And it was like, he was the spokesperson from our side to your side saying, this is a little hard, man. So like from that point forward, I was way behind him and uh, what he was doing for the group. It was like the first part of the group coming together, I think. That was definitely a support uprising and you guys creating your own community. But that actually, some of that was with intention because we wanted to pressure you. We wanted to feel the heat. And when you're too comfortable, you know, it's, you're just not learning. You're not being pushed. You're not uh, changing. So. And we still got it done. Like the deadline seemed completely unreasonable. <laughs> and like at the end of the day, it was still, I still got it done a week early. Oh, nice. I, I think I just, Stephanie, didn't I just message you like on Friday morning? I know. My time. I was like, Stephanie, there is no way I'm going to be able to get assessment six done, this, that, whatever. And sure enough, that day, I know, half an hour office, later, you yeah. wrote me. I got him. I, <laughs> I had to he laugh. Said yeah. He said yes. <laughs> it was like half an hour after you texted me, I think, right? <laughs> exactly. You just walked in. Yeah. My, you know, my team always says that we need to speak things into existence. So the minute you Bell's say that you're looking prophecies. for something, yeah, the minute you say you're looking for something or that you want to complete something or your goal is going to happen, it comes true. There's a, there's a power in goal setting and actually just saying things out loud. Putting it in thought is one thing, putting it in writing is another, but actually yeah. what they say is professing, is actually making a testament of your action. And, and Brett, you and I have talked about that at different courses we've been at and how impactful actually putting goals in. But in order to have goals, uh, you also encounter barriers. And I know each of you have felt a barrier that you couldn't push past. Can you maybe share something that the, a barrier you felt, whether it's self-imposed or otherwise, and how the fellowship maybe helped you overcome that, if it has? So my huge barrier to start this was finding time like I feel like what you and Jacqueline do with your 24 hours in a day like I'm trying to segment everything in my day to try to fit everything in and adding photography and documentation into my patient care experience felt like something that was never going to happen for me like I knew I needed to do it but when I started looking into my schedule and think, when am I going to be able to take the time to take these photos to make this work out? It just, it was like a mental block for me. Like, it was like, I'm not going to be able to make this happen. I'm going to have to cancel a patient on either side of this just to do this <laughs> assessment. And it was completely on me. Like in no, no circumstances did anybody create that pressure for me or was it actually real? Like I started bringing my camera in and I'd take just a few pictures. And I was like, what's the patient thinking when I take my loops off to take these pictures? Are they thinking I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And now I carry a camera room to room with me by my side. There are retractors and mirrors in every room and autoclave bags. And I look at my assistant and without even thinking, she just kind of shakes her head a little bit and she reaches in <laughs> and she gets the mirrors and retractors and we go to work. And I stopped 15 times in a procedure to take pictures just in case I want to put it up, just in case I want to share on the Facebook page that something comes through this is different, that I've got my pre-op shots and I've got the shots of the prep in case I can learn something special. And I, it, it was such a brick wall 
three months ago that is so natural now. It was all on me. Nice. Felicia, how about you? What, what barriers did you feel? Well, so my initial barrier was honest, honestly the rubber dam. I mean, when I finished dental school, I thought I am never using this thing again. Hallelujah. You know, I can't put this on. And I just, I just, I would look at everything on Ripe and be like, why are they using rubber dam? Like, I, I just can't do that. There's just no way I can do that. Like I was having po you know, PTSD from dental school days, having to put it on my, by myself and whatever. Um, and I remember the first time I put it on, I was scared to death. I was scared they were gonna choke on it. I was scared, I, I was just scared. I put that thing on, my procedure went so smoothly. <laughs> I didn't have to worry about the tongue. I didn't have to worry about anything. Just like Lincoln said, all the distractions were cleared away. Um, and I, I was able to actually do it in less time once I got the dam on. Um, and so that now is in the past, but that was probably my biggest barrier because it was just a mind mindset difference. Um, the photography I had already included, at least with my new patients and taking the initial photos. Um, but that's that was another thing that I had to sort of learn. And, and I agree with you, Brett, like now people just know and patients love it. If I don't take the photos, they almost say, well, doctor, aren't you, you know, remember you forgot this one photo, <laughs> you know? And so they love it. They love it. And I kind of show them along the way a little bit as well. Um, so, but for me, hands down, the funniest thing was just the rubber dam, but I, I'm nice. past that now. That's awesome. Stephanie, I know you had no barriers whatsoever. Nothing has changed for you. So why don't you share? <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> well, it was definitely not the rubber dam because I've been using this for the last 15 years. But uh, oh no, for me, the biggest barrier, I think, was the confidence. Just as I said, like I would do anything in composite in the posteriors, but it would take me so much courage to just, you know, offer a crown and, and be confident that the other person would say yes, because I was confident because I don't know, I think I had maybe delivered one crown every five months before wow. the fellowship. Yeah, I, seriously, you could probably count it on two hands what I did almost my whole life, maybe. I seriously, I did not do any crowns. I just didn't. And I can't really tell you why not, because I probably thought it's not necessary. It's too expensive. Why would my patients pay for that? And so I think I, I delivered more crowns in the past three months than I did in my whole career, which is still 13 years. You've done more crowns in the last three months than you have yes. in the last 13 or 15 years? Yes, yes. I, wow. I would, I would definitely put a signature on that. Yes. I would say that. Oh, I have just started. You've overcome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm amazed at how the people, they look me in the eye and they believe me when I say, this is the best option. Get it if you can, because I believe myself by now. And I think. How has that, is, how did that belief change with you? Well, I do feel more confident in just handling the burrs. And like, to me, it was just something so different from just only doing a composite. And I always believed that my composites can be just as good as crowns. And then I do it 
I did so many really difficult composites, then the crowns are so much easier than these difficult composites. So I was like, why? What have I waited for? <laughs> well, that, that's kind of was my was a little bit of my next question of what surprised you. So there's one that really surprised you. Fauja, how about how about you? What surprised you about the fellowship? You know, I think that I I did not realize that I could feel so much more confident in the knowledge that I was gaining um, and the photography that was showing me things. And I, and I think that I, I was just surprised that my confidence in myself, not so much in treatment planning, Stephanie, but just in myself, like I could just confidently go into a procedure and I could almost anticipate. Um, and I just I knew very clearly what, what I needed to do in each, um, you know, in each procedure. And I think that that really surprised me. It really surprised me that I, cause I'm a very, I tend to be very indecisive sometimes. And I was getting myself into situations when I was in a clinical situation that I was starting to get a little indecisive about, should I continue with a composite? Should I change it to an inlay or onlay? Should I change it to a crown? And I feel like now I have a lot more confidence in, in, in probably pre-planning what I need to do, but then also anticipating, um, anticipating what I'm going to need. So I think my confidence has definitely surprised me. What, what changed? What improved your confidence? Uh, you know, I, I will tell you when I listened to Lincoln's restoration fundamentals, uh, and he was so brutally honest about some of his own failures, um, that really helped me see things differently. Um, and also, I think just, at, just assessing the pre-operative um, situation. Like, you know, I know when we've talked previously about, um, you know, looking at an x-ray and seeing that maybe you're going to have a deeper margin and that that's, that you should not do that in the same time as a small class two, for instance. So being able to look at all of the information preoperatively and just anticipate maybe how much longer a, a procedure is going to take. And then also just feeling the confidence that, you know what, I can actually charge a little bit more for this if I need to, um, or, or I can bring them back. I never, I would see bleeding and I would be so nervous before because I thought, oh my gosh, it's my fault that they're bleeding because maybe I nicked the gums or the gingiva or something. And I feel like I just, I learned that I could just give myself permission to say, you know what, this is, the patient has been like this for quite a while and I'm doing everything I can to help them. And I just need to, you know, schedule more time or bring them back or, you know, whatever that might be to make it better for myself. So I feel like, I guess, what do you call that? Like confidence in, I guess, sort of in knowledge, right? In judgment, maybe? In judgment, maybe, is the best yeah. way to say. Stephanie, you're smiling and shaking your head. What, what <laughs> no, I'm, I'm absolutely agreeing. This is so, I used to try to finish everything in time and delay myself and be and feel really sorry for the patients. Oh my God, he's such a poor person that his tooth is all full of carious lesions and and but I've gotten way cooler like I look at a tooth and I ask are you in pain <laughs> seriously it's like yeah you've been like this for the past seven years so if I can't do it today um, we're gonna do it next week or maybe in three months <laughs> yeah and just exactly the same thing like I don't feel sorry anymore for my patients because uh, well I sometimes I do feel sorry for them <laughs> but I know um, 
yeah. <laughs> most of the time actually but it's it's still it's this this point of like not making it your fault anymore exactly because they're they're not bleeding because of you they're bleeding because they haven't brushed their teeth in like three weeks or yeah. there's so much food in between because there's such a big hole in the tooth it's not your fault it's not my fault and you know i can i can make a transition to put this tooth in a in a in a situation that can heal a bit and then make it easier for me to restore and i think exactly this i have been starting to do treatments and then start and then say now we're waiting three months and see me back in october and then we'll see what we're going to do with the tooth i would have never thought of saying this to a patient half a year ago never what a great so change in, in confidence of of all of your approaches i i absolutely love this it's just this is my favorite treat of my job as an educator is to actually listen to these kind of stories. Brett, how about you? What, uh, what surprised you? So jokingly, my biggest surprise so far is the fact that people all over the world take two and three month holidays every year. <laughs> <laughs> so you I, have to change something. It's like when I heard that people take three months holiday a year, I was like, no, they don't. No one does that. Uh, but joking aside, my biggest surprise was things that I thought I was doing correctly or knew how to do and would never be willing to accept a paradigm shift were just not right anymore. You know, I mean, the greatest example I can give you is cutting a class two amalgam box to put composite in. It's like, that's what I did because that's what I was taught to do. That's what the people that I worked with were taught to do and how they did it. And really, if you ask the best dentist in my city how they did it, that's how they did it. And it was just not the best way to do it. And I, like it, I had to come out of my own head to look at that. I was going through my old photos recently and looking at, we had a pre-assessment and it was cut, cut class twos and fill it as a pre-assessment. And I look back at that. And when I did, I was like, man, I'm good. And <laughs> I look at that now and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe that I actually put that on for other people to see. Um, and that's not the only thing that I've come up against that just was something I thought I was doing well that I wasn't. But the things like that, that I've been able to open my mind to and not have to be critical and think, well, this is not how I was taught is this going to work and just open my mind to it and believed in the educators and believed in the people like Stephanie that were even before the fellowship were like rocking these massive composites that I would have never thought to do. You know, she's sitting there saying that, she's done 20 or 30 crowns. Well, I hadn't done a class two composite that passed a line angle, but maybe five times in two years. I just, if that's a tooth that needed a crown for me. If it lost a cusp, it needed a crown for me. If they couldn't afford a crown, then I was going to do the best I could. And like, I've gotten to open myself up the other way. Like I'm doing resins now that I feel confident are in the last 10 and 15 years where two years ago, I would have 100% told my patient that if I can't crown this tooth, it's not going to work. So like, I'm helping my patients in the other way. You know, I had a procedure last week that I opened up that probably would have been a pulp exposure in my practice two years ago, but it had clean margins and I left a little bit at the edge and probably would have been a crown six months ago and the patient left with an asymptomatic bonded resin is probably going to last 15 years instead of a root canal and a crown it's All amazing that i course. listen 
it's amazing when I listen to your different stories and it's not about, it, it, you almost change perspective. It, it, it's not about learning progression being linear. It's being aware of your blind spots because Stephanie was missing crowns. Brett, you were missing indirect restorations. And yeah. uh, we, we all feel- And I was probably missing part. both. I was probably missing both of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you guys have talked about, we've talked about community. We've talked about some of the breakthroughs and why you're here. But uh, coming back to some of the comments is, this didn't happen by mistake. And <clears throat> we put together uh, what we thought was an amazing team of educators. Can you share some of your stories and some of the impacts that uh, some of the educators have made on you? And if you, you want, and please feel free to share names and specific instances on how you put something, something into application. Well, you know, my primary thing, and I've said this uh, privately, I think I've said it on Facebook a couple of times is I was so impressed by the educators I was getting into. I knew what quality they were. But coming into it and realizing that these were real people and that can being able to have a close enough relationship in the fellowship to be able to talk to these people one on one and realize, man, these are people like me. You know, these are people that practice for a certain amount of time before they got to where they are and they've had the same challenges that I've had. Um, you know, one our first hands-on, I was doing it at two o'clock in the morning because I had made a terrible scheduling mistake. So I had to do with the Australian group and we're sitting there with our headsets on and we're doing this and I have Vishal in my ear. And like, if anybody is to be awed and direct restoration on the internet, it is Vishal. And he's just sitting there in my ear and we're talking about the margins that I'm putting on that bevel, but we're also talking about running and how he likes to go run. And when I was going to do that, it's just being able to break it down like that and take that kind of instruction 101 has been so much better than someone standing on a podium or standing in front of me with PowerPoint slides telling me, this is what you're going to do, showing me the best cases. Uh, and it feels like at every step of the way, I've gotten from the educators, the realness, the, you know, Elena was great about this in our indirect. She's like, that's good. That's going to work. This is how you could make it better. It wasn't, oh, you should have done that differently. This is what you didn't do. It was, that's going to be fine. You know, that's going to seal good. That's going to last 15 or 20 years. But next time do this. Uh, that's been amazing for me. Constructive criticism. Absolutely. Yeah. With, with yeah. care. Absolutely. I totally agree. Um, I know Karen Halpern has helped me a lot too. I was struggling with some of my photography and, you know, I didn't immediately message her, but I was just talking about it in the group. And she reached out to me on WebEx personally and said, Hey, listen, what about this? What about this? Send me some of your photos. Um, and was really exactly what you're saying. Very caring. Um, and sought me out because she realized that I was struggling a little bit. Um, and I, I can name that with everybody. I mean, every single educator you can tell is following our community chats. And if it seems like somebody's having a little, or maybe somebody needs a little extra help, they reach out to you directly. Um, and, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a very caring um, environment. It's been great for me. And Steph? I just, yeah, I can just chime in. <laughs> well, I think. Remember when I was in the hospital and I wasn't allowed to work for like five weeks and I couldn't deliver a special assessment and you and I figured out something else. 
and mm -hmm. then afterwards like after all the assessments were have been had been talked through you and i looked at my assessment for half an hour and i really appreciated this so that was michael that that really that was something that i i i just it you know you, you did really well for my heart <laughs> <laughs> this half hour yeah because i i knew that you guys you had seen my quadrants restored and in, in directs i put enough on on facebook and i i really really appreciated that you and i could figure out a different assessment that was at least the same amount of work for me to do and you went through this with me and and that was so constructive i i really liked that and I liked how we talked through this assessment and this case and special. And yeah, thank you. <laughs> you. You are more than welcome. You know, it has been a year of challenges, but it's also been a year of opportunities. And as much as you guys are learning, <clears throat> we've had to learn how to navigate those timelines, how to navigate the fifth shutdown in, you know, Victoria. The fact that there were <laughs> floods in Texas. I mean, we're just, I guess we have, what do we have? Locust, famine, fires. <laughs> we pretty much had yeah. every everything this year. And I, I'm very proud of all of you for for sticking through that. And also all of the amazing educators and the team at Right Global for for flexing. And I know <clears throat> there are challenges that are still going to come up. Uh, but we'll get through them together, I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How about how about the learning process? You know, you, you said you've never all of you have said, I can't do this. I don't want to do it online. There won't be this. I can't imagine not doing that. Tell me about what you felt about the actual learning process and how it was set up. Well, the, the learning kind of happened by itself. So I never sat down and learned something like, you know, open a book or. But like the learning, there was the whole process of, of the lecture and the, the case presentations um and the, the assessments and then the, the the whole community talking about what we've been learning and then you know the only the only thing where i really had to sit down and do something that was really challenging my brain was was the whole uh, literature, literature review that was seriously for me that was the hardest part <laughs> Uh, Fazia is laughing because I know. <laughs> no, I know that but, day was hard for all of us. We were trying to present, and it was, yeah, that that was That's, really. But we got, but we got through it. <laughs> yes, and also you... there, you were so supportive. <laughs> I was so glad. But no, you the, the learning you... process is just going on. It, it's just one. It's like a smooth line that just goes on with the learning. So. Yeah. And what an amazing I think it's been and Lane Ochi with as far as the literature review goes. I, Lane's one of my best friends. He and I teach together in person as well as, as online. And watching him come up with the protocol. And I know some of you were kicking and screaming, but looking at how oh differently gosh. your brains work since you've been exposed to that has been pretty cool. There's gonna be another we, one, right? Yeah. I think we're I think taking it for be granted. a lot different than the last one. I, right, I think we're taking sorry. for granted how well this has been designed for us to feel like we feel about the learning process. Because if you go all the way back to the beginning and you get the first assessment, which was take some pictures and submit them. 
it wasn't about the case you were doing photography on. It was actually about letting the educators look at your photography. Like they kind of sneaked you in to take pictures of this case, but what they really wanted to do is teach you how to orient and crop pictures in a way that all the rest of the assessments were going to be easier on you. You know, the, (laughs) the dentiform assessment, let's cut four class twos in a row and fill them was so much about let's assess where you are sneakily so that when we go to actually teach you this, we teach it in a way that's streamlined and tailored for everyone here so that you're not feeling the just drinking through a fire hose of education. Like, I think that so much of that has gone so well that us as attendees may not even appreciate the effort it took to get to that point. Well, that was very much with intention and that, uh, you know, you've all, you've all complimented Lincoln on, on how he's put together the curriculum. The pre-theory challenge is one of the most important and, and we call that fail fast. And we don't know where you're gonna fail, but you will because we pushed you and we gave you minimal instruction so that you could actually get a look at yourself. And I would, I would encourage actually all three of you, go back and look at your very first pre-theory challenge and give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back and on how far you've come. I know we're going to be, the educators are going to be doing that before module two starts up. We're going to, we've all been going actually back and looking at all of your assessments. You'll, you'll be hearing from us pretty soon on that. No, the education happened so slowly. I mean, I remember the one time we had a lecture at like, I think for the U.S. it was going to be at four o'clock in the morning. Um, and my whole family was like, I can't believe she's going to get up and listen to it. But I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was this feeling like I wanted to listen to things live. Um, there were a couple that I couldn't, um, but you know, you just, you wanted to be there. Um, I, I thought, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like you learned, but you didn't really know you were learning because it was so part of, everything was so part of your daily routine. I mean, but even between the community chats, the lectures that we heard, the assessments, I felt like dentistry has always been on my mind. And I felt in every single way, every case I would look at in my practice, I was just learning and looking at things differently. Um, I, I just, when I look, think back about it, I just think that it was all happened almost with no effort. Um, but then there was also, there was also, there was also great effort, you know? Oh yeah. Um, it, I just, I don't even know how it happened. I don't know how I found enough time to do it. Um, it just all sort of happened you know, um, and it's, yeah. I think that's really interesting because in the beginning we were talking about this and I was saying how little effort I put in to get to the point I'm at, but then you go back and you think of how many lectures we've had and how many assessments we've had and how many times in the middle of all these things that we've done, it's been hours and hours of learning. It's just happened in a way that it was almost fun. Like it's almost, I agree. Like, almost. Yeah. it was fun. It yes. was fun. Except so these little almost, times uh, where you all freaked out sometimes it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so fun. And you know, the other thing is that when, when we had those lectures, we always were encouraged to ask questions. I mean, we were even encouraged to ask questions, even if we had to interrupt what they were. And most of us didn't do this. We waited till the end, but you felt this deep connection. I mean, I felt like, you know, when Johan was doing his or Mendugas was doing his, I, I felt like they were talking to me and I felt like I, I was present and I could ask anything I wanted to at any point. Um, 
And so it felt very close knit. Um, and, and I think my brain probably took that in a lot more because I felt like it was a, it was a more intimate, you know, learning experience, even though we were online. Patient. So I, I, I really, I crossed out in my daily agenda where I didn't want to be disturbed in my office. I, I, I really, I wanted to attend every lecture live because it was so, like I took notes like crazy in all of the lectures. And what, it, what, just, what you just said is you felt so close to all the, the lecturers and also to all the others with the chats before and the chats afterwards and the discussion of the <laughs> questions. It's just priceless. It's such a it's such a mindset change that I've seen in, in so many of you and myself is you think if we go to a course and Brett and I were at a course recently, you know, how long did it take to get to the airport? How long do we sit at the airport? How long do we fly? How long do we commute? And I'm not going to write off any of the time we're, that we we're there because in person is fantastic and it's important. But just the commuting time, the time lost for the office, but yet none of us really were prepared to actually say, oh, I need you to block two hours out of my day. And we're like, oh my God, that the world will end. But we're okay taking off and, and being away from our office for five days uh, for, yeah. for a course. Yeah. Cool. How about, so I, I have a kind of a two-part question. I'm gonna just put it together. What if you could pick one thing that was most impactful for you in module one, which is the posterior module, and the second part of that question is, what are you looking forward to in module two, which is the anterior module? So whoever wants to jump in. Okay, so for silent. me the most, All right. oh, okay, uh, here go I ahead. Um, so in the posterior module, the most impactful thing for me was a new way of doing direct resin. Like I, I was using a rubber dam some, but not all the time. Now, if I don't use a rubber dam in my practice, it's because the patient thinks they're going to die with it on. So like, that's like an, it's a no brainer for me. I was already using sectional matrices, but now after that time, I've got three or four different types because what I've learned is just because one thing has five sizes doesn't mean one of those sizes is going to fit. So <laughs> I have so many more options. That's and, profound, honestly. But the, the biggest thing is just prep, shape, beveling, doing these things with the heated composite and the flowable in the base to be able to create these wonderful margins. Like my crown work, like I did a lot of crowns before. So like the difference in my preps now and before is I went from shoulders to chamfers because it's more conservative and I'm looking at vertipreps a little bit if I can find a lab to do it. But my posterior composite work is light years ahead of where it was six months ago. And that's all the fellowship, 100%. Um, what I'm looking forward to in the anterior is kind of a double, is I'm looking forward to seeing that kind of result in my direct composites in the anteriors like I see in my posteriors, because I think the gap is even larger for me to fill in anterior resins. Uh, I think right now class threes and class fours for me are just okay. And if I can make half the leap I've made in the anterior resins that I have in the posterior resins, then it's the rest of the fellowship is a wash because like I will have gotten everything I need clinically out of it and be satisfied. Everything else is gonna be icing on the cake. Nice, I like that. What drew me, what actually drew me to the fellowship was that posterior, exactly what you're talking about 
how to make those class two posterior resins easier and more predictable. And I feel like I have learned so much. I've learned so much about prep design. Um, again, same thing. I've always used just one matrix, but I've had a couple different within that. Now I have, you know, five or six. I just did my first BioClear. I was kind of worried about that, but I did my first one or two of those now for the posterior. Um, and just understanding those principles, um, my my posterior composites are oh, way better, way better. I mean, 100% better, I think. Um, what I'm looking forward to in the anterior is, I, I love, my passion is anterior work. I love doing anything in the, in the, in the anterior of the mouth. I think my stuff is okay. Um, I'm really looking forward to helping um, with shade matching and getting a little bit more customized with um, shades so I can work with patients on that. Um, and then just, just making it more predictable, more enjoyable for myself. Nice, I like that. Stephanie, how about you? I'm always going back to the same thing. So the most impactful thing in the posterior was the confidence about doing something else that I've been doing the couple of the, the past 10 years. So really the confidence of the crowns. Uh, while I've been using like 15 different matrices before, I do only use BioClear plus or minus since I had seen Johan in Sweden. So I went the other way from like using uncountable amounts of matrices, like really limiting my sortiment. Um, what I'm looking for in the interiors is to see, because right now, when I look at interiors, I don't see. When I do one, I, I, I notice like my, my interior directs, they are odd, but I don't see why. So <laughs> I'm already looking forward to the first assessment because about one and a half years ago, I went to my lab and I asked for a nice book where I can look at all kinds of interior teeth and, and, and drawings, but I never really got into this. So the first assessment is going to be draw interiors. <laughs> and I know I'm going to have to look at something before I can draw this even better. So I'm really looking forward to see and then improve and work on that. And probably same thing here. Well, I've been doing so many building buildups in composites that are odd because I didn't see until now. I still don't. I'm hoping to be more confident to suggest you a crown on that tooth in the front. Mm. So well, one, of the, one of the interesting things you said is you, you can see that something's wrong, <clears throat> but you don't know what or you don't know how to fix it. And, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's always the first step that you have need. And that's probably one of the biggest and most important steps in, a, in an educational process is realizing that you need it. And that's, you know, the old saying is when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. But you got a lot of educators coming up and I'm super excited about the module two faculty. Um, I'm a little bit intimidated by their skills, to be honest, even as an educator, they're exceptional. You have you have Alina, you have, you have Agne, you have Yurgaite, you know, it's like the Baltic connection is going to be coming at you hard <laughs> from, from Europe. So before, before we wrap up, I, you know, I'd kind of just like to go, go around the room here a little bit and say, if you had someone that was considering taking the fellowship, you know, who should be taking this or why, 
uh, they should be taking it or what would you tell them? Just uh, give me your, give me your little elevator pitch on, on why you think someone should take the fellowship or who should take it. I want every one of my associate dentists who work for me to do this. So I'm already talking my associate Marina into taking the fellowship. So um, I want everybody who works for me doing this because I'm not, I know when they do this, they're going to be so good. It's going to pay off like to my patients. So everyone should do it, right? I think any dentist that wants to improve their skills, they, no question, they just need to sign up. Well, they're, they're, they're concise. Brett. <laughs> I, I think this is, and it, it's going to sound weird, but I think this is for dentists that care about the work they're doing. I think that you don't come into this and get what you get out of it unless you look at your work and feel feel that you need to be producing something better than average. I think that you need to be able to look at your patients and feel like they deserve your best and that they're there. And a patient can't discern if a dentist is great or average or poor. Like they know if it hurts, they know what it costs. And really other than that, they don't know about the rest until it starts to fail on down the line. But the person that this is for is somebody that knows even if the patient can't tell the difference that their job is to do the best they can. And even if it's not as good today as it will be five years from now, if you care about that, then this is where you're at. And you know that if you put the work in at the end of the result, you're gonna have achieved what you wanted to achieve. You're gonna be better. Uh, that's, that's how I feel. And uh, if you feel like that and you sign up for this on the back end, it's gonna be worth three or four times what you paid for it immediately like 100 percent. you no doubt that well, was just patients, perfect what patients can read though and what they're very aware of is they can read your confidence and your passion which i certainly definitely feel in all of you so believe it or not we have blown through an hour already uh this was my first multi-person podcast and i would say it wasn't hurting cats as much as I thought it would be, but I'm an exceptional cat herder. So uh, if we could, I'd like to thank the listeners for joining us. We do have a masterclass coming up with Dr. Alina Rusinova and I, you're talking about drawing teeth. We're gonna be going over the uh, basics of analog and digital smile design in a free upcoming masterclass. The anterior module will be starting up in September. If you're interested in that, you can go on to ripeglobal.com and register your interest. But I want to thank all three of you for joining us today. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. And this is Mike Melkers from Hanover, as usual, signing off and have a great day. Take care great. and I'll see you next time. Thanks, thank Mike. you, Thanks, Michael. Mike. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible episode of the Ripe Global Podcast. We'll meet you back here next time for some more insights from Ripe Global. And in the meantime, Ripe Global is teaming up with master dentists from all over the world to offer you a fast-growing library of world-class online lectures and masterclasses. Visit our website at www.ripeglobal.com and become a member today.